This is Let's Talk Chime, the official Let's Go Chime podcast, episode 83, recorded on December 12th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, the winter meetings are underway and the Indians are technically doing things. Uh, not very exciting things so far, but maybe they will eventually. And Brian Shaw is no longer with the Indians. He shined with the Rockies. We'll be talking about that. That happened literally just, I think, a couple hours ago, so still a lot of fresh stuff to talk about there. But before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening live now on Facebook or wherever or whenever you may be tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and consider leaving a review. Uh, joining me for all this and more, as always, is Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing good, uh, although mostly I'm doing good because 48 hours from now I'll have seen The Last Jedi, and right now that's more <laughs> important to me than baseball. <laughs> you know, I, I really hate that I'm not more hyped for that. I really should be, but... I'm sure I'll, I really just want to know whatever spoilers there are at this point. I don't know. But I will definitely. Well, I can, I can let you know in 48 hours. <laughs> so are you going opening night then, I take it? Yeah. Uh, my wife and I have tickets for the earliest possible show Thursday night, uh, mostly just because I'm too excited to wait. Uh, but logistically for me, uh, as, a, as a grade school teacher, if I don't go to see it Thursday night, when I show up to work Friday morning, uh, some fourth grader will have seen it Thursday night and absolutely would ruin whatever big surprises there were. Uh, when The Force Awakens came out the next morning, within two minutes of seeing my class, I heard someone say that Han Solo was Kylo Ren's dad and that Kylo Ren killed Han Solo. So if I hadn't already seen the movie myself, um, I would have had to to find a new profession after striking a child <laughs> now were they just doing it to be a jerk or they were just really excited and talking about a thing they saw uh, little column kind of, a little column b maybe a little <laughs> bit of both but uh i mean kids are not good at keeping that kind of secret they, they love having special information and stuff like that okay. so it's either go to see it thursday night or call in sick friday so i figured this saves me from taking a day off well that's 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 plenty exciting but Maybe not quite as exciting as the fact that uh, Brian Shaw signed with a new team. He shined with the Rockies for three years. I think Clay, or, uh, Buster Olney said it was somewhere around $9 million a year, which we can talk about this in a minute, but that seems kind of like a lot. But what are your general thoughts on that? Brian Shaw, um, I guess we all kind of thought he'd probably be gone because um, he's going to make a lot. There isn't very many relievers on the market, and he's getting paid quite a lot to go pitch in Colorado. Yeah, uh, in terms of him signing with another team, uh, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, he's earned a salary like that, a contract like that. It doesn't make sense for the Indians to give him a contract like that, given their financial situation. Um, that said, my main reaction to it is uh, knowing how many Indians fans were going to be super thrilled that he's no longer with the Indians, because so many Indians fans... Uh, at some point, he definitely passed Carlos Santana as the, the member of the Indians that Indians fans hate the most. Uh, and Brian Shaw was really good for the Indians. So I wish him super well. Uh, and I wish the Indians didn't have so many fans uh, too dense to pick up on the fact that Shaw was really good for them. I think Andrew Miller, Cody Allen all along, and then Andrew Miller, especially the last year and a half, sort of skewed a lot of people's sense of what a good reliever looks like. Because um, Andrew Miller is the best reliever in baseball, and Cody Allen's way up there. Um, but Brian Shaw pitched in more games the last five years than any pitcher in baseball. Uh, and he did that while on a per-inning basis being really, really good. Uh, I looked it up of the 
120 relievers who appeared in the most games. And again, Shaw tops that list. But going all the way down to 120, just to get an average of four relievers per team, uh, Shaw's ERA plus for that time is 35th. So he's uh, basically like a, a good second reliever, which for a while is what he was. And then when Miller showed up, he got to be a, a really good third reliever. Uh, but for whatever reason, Indians fans, not all, but a lot, uh, could never wrap their head around that. So sort of like Santana, I'm bummed that he's did a lot for the team and mostly unappreciated. If we're going to go on the, the hate or unappreciated scale, I feel like there has to be some kind of weighted value there because relievers, it's so easy. Everybody hates them because we've talked about it before. You only see and remember their bad moments. But like hating Carlos Santana, that's a first baseman, which I don't think a ton of people hate. Or they shouldn't hate a first baseman who hit with power and draw a lot of walks. So as far as like hating a player you really shouldn't, I still think Carlos Santana would be ahead. Just because it's expected that people hate bullpen arms so much. Unless you're Andrew Miller, then everybody tends to hate relievers just because they only see when they explode and they don't recognize that what a shot pitch, like almost 500 innings. And like you said, been a really good one for most of it. But he was bad that one time I saw him and I didn't like him. <laughs> Which is what like the majority of our no, I think are in it. Yeah, and I said that on Twitter, that what you just said, that with most relief pitchers, what you remember are the bad games. Um, you know, the random game where he comes in with a two-run lead and, and gets the next three guys out. There's no real reason for that to stand out in your head. Uh, you know, the every so often he comes in and blows a two-run lead, understandably sticks in your memory. It's just annoying to me that people can't bother to, like, look up his numbers and look at other relief pitchers' numbers uh, – and see, like, oh, compared to the other people who do the same job as him, he's actually been good. Uh, I mean, I can get the initial, like, gut reaction of, like, oh, God, those home runs he gave up, the leads he blew. Um, but people are just so lazy. Uh, and, and, and then are so unwilling to have their minds changed by someone who's done more work to look into it than they have. Uh, you know, you point out things like what I just told you about his, you know, his – not only how consistently he's pitched game after game all five years, uh, you know, leading the league in appearances three of those years and, and for the five years combined, but doing it with a really good per inning uh, numbers. And people are like, no, I want someone who's lights out. And it's like, yeah, we all want, so we all want Andrew Miller, but there aren't like 800 Andrew Millers out there. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's one of the, to me, one of the frustrating things about like, really paying attention to baseball is people who pay less attention but refuse to accept that maybe you're you're onto something they didn't realize. Yeah, I'm all for the like the, the passion during a game, like being mad or a lever, but if you're on Twitter months after the fact, you haven't even taken like ten minutes to look it up. It's a little it's kind of pathetic at that point. Um I mean I think we both agree that it's just kind of sad that Shaw left, but are you really upset that the Indians didn't pay $27 million to keep him? Because <laughs> no, I don't think I, I am at all. But but not because I don't think he's not worth that. I think he's worth that. I just think the Indians are in a situation where, uh, you know, they've got more money to play with than they used to, but still not as much as most teams. Um, you know, there's only so much money it really makes sense for them to put into their bullpen. Uh, so I, I think Shaw completely deserves the contract he got. Uh, I think Shaw was great for five years. 
and I think the Indians were wise to let someone else be the team to give him the contract that he deserves. Yeah, especially with the track record of like the Jeff Manships and Dan Otero's and Tyler Olsons, they don't like I couldn't imagine them spending that much on another reliever. I think Andrew Miller because he's so good, sure, and he's he's on a way discount for what he's worth, but. Nothing against Brian Shaw, but I wouldn't want the Indians spending that much on any reliever. And if it was any other team, I don't think I would. I would just kind of compile what you can and try not to suck, <laughs> really. I mean, I like spending that much on a reliever is always crazy to me, unless it's Andrew Miller, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, but $9 million a year is not what it was five, ten years ago. And, and I always have to kind of, like, catch myself on that, too, that, you know, I, a lot of times in my head, like – a hundred million is a pretty big payroll and anything over that, like a team is spending a lot. And so like 9 million, it's like, all right, that's, you know, let me do the math. That's 9% of a hundred million. But the reality is what I think of as a big payroll. When I think of a hundred million buying for a team's payroll, it really takes more like 150, 160 million to buy. And so that 9 million a year, my first reaction to it is really more like 6 million a year in terms of how I'm imagining it. 9 million for, a guy who year in and year out pitches 70, 80 games with well above average, uh, you know, for a team with more money than the Indians, I don't think is a bad signing at all. So believe it or not, the Indians, they did, they did some things in the winter meeting so far. It's been like a day and a half since they've really been going. I don't think usually a whole lot happens on the first day. Um, I think Stanton was the day before, but, but uh, today the Indians actually signed somebody. I don't know if you knew this very exciting news, but Alexi Ogando, who's once a, I guess you can call him a top prospect with the Rangers, but um, he last started in 2013. He spent 2017 in Korea. Um, Indians' perspective said he wants to be stretched out as a starter, but he hasn't started in a long time. I don't know if he could be a decent reliever, but he's on a minor league deal. This is another thing. like They're going to sign a whole bunch of these guys, and I'm sure one of them is going to come out and be land in the bullpen. I guess we'll just see what they'll be, but um, that's kind of the first, I'd say <laughs> not quite impactful, but relatively close to impactful signing the Indians have done so far. Um, do you have any general feelings on Alexi Ogando, 35 year or 34 years old right now? I think he'll be 35 when the season starts, but not no, not really. I mean, like you said, they're they're going to have a lot of potential arms for the bullpen. Uh, uh, hopefully, Francona is going to be able to identify which ones are going to have a better chance of doing well than others. Uh, for the most part, I feel like his track record of, of managing the bullpen uh, is strong. So. Uh, but no, I don't. You know, in terms of him individually as a particular guy, I can't really say I have much to say. Yeah, there's nothing that really stands. The only sort of interesting thing is that in his last season, he did strike out quite a few batters, but he walked just an astronomical amount. It was like 15 percent compared to when he he wasn't even like the double digits before. So there could be something there. He could be like the next, probably not the next Dan Otero, but I do wonder if he's if he fails and the bullpen isn't great. I wonder how long it takes before people say, "Oh, it was just all Mickey Calloway. They couldn't do it without him." Which I don't think is true at all. We still don't know what exactly impact bullpen pitchers have, but it's not going to be long before that's an excuse. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and and one player we both I think we both care about. I think a lot of Let's Go Tribe um, cares about. We just kind of talked about him. Carlos Santana. He is a free agent. He's gotten interest from at least the Red Sox and Padres. I think there was more. I just couldn't find him in the few seconds I was writing the notes for this. But um, the Indians have the right, not the right, but Santana said he's going to let him counter pretty much any um, offer that he gets to try to do something more. So what do you think of that? I think that, I don't know if that comes up a whole lot, but is that just kind of a sign of Santana that he does really want to come back to Cleveland? Is it kind of just not wanting 
fans in Cleveland to hate him if he leaves, but it's just really interesting that he's given the Indians the opportunity to to counter pretty much any offer any other team sends out to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think it's pretty common. Um, you know, guys who have been with one team their whole major league career, at least, and in a, in a, a team that's very good right now, uh, that when they want to stay, there is that, you know, if the offers are equal, they'll, they'll stay with their current team. So I got to imagine a lot of agents whether the whether there's been like a public statement or not, I have to imagine a lot of agents, you know, sort of float like, listen, this is the offer we're planning on taking. You know, if you want to take the day to decide to match it or not. Um, so I would think it's pretty common. Uh, I I don't know how to, you know, last year like the the deal that Indian signed Incarnacion to uh, was a lot smaller than most people, including me, thought he would get. And so I know a lot of people feel like the market for, you know, DH first baseman slugger types just isn't what it used to be. Um, we'll see. I, I, to me, if, if they're able to re-sign Santana, I'm going to be thrilled almost no matter what, because I love Carlos Santana. Uh, and I enjoy cheering for the Indians more when Carlos Santana's there. Um, and I don't feel like there's a lot they need to do to improve. So, I, I mean, for me, if, if, if he's back next year – the offseason is going to feel like it was a success. Uh, if he's not back, then I guess it sort of depends on what else happens. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic he'll be back, but I'm not super pessimistic about it either. I could pretty easily see it going either way. Yeah, it seems like all the people they have gone after is ones they have, too. There's Santana. They've they've talked to Jackson, I've heard. I'm pretty sure they ran on shot at some point. So it's clear they want the guys they have back. I just... Santana is the one that I want the most. Jackson would be kind of neat to have back. Um, we'll talk about Jay Bruce later, but they haven't really had, I haven't heard anything about them being interested in him, but there's just not a whole lot of interesting free agent pieces that don't come from the Indians this year. Cause they're obviously not going to get you Darvish. They didn't get Shohei Otani. They're not going to get, I don't know who else, but there just isn't that much this year. It's all next year when the Manny Machado and um, everyone else is a free agent. So for this year, it's just kind of slow and the Indians have, it's the same thing as last year. They already have a pretty great team that's all mostly coming back, and there's just no Edwin this year. Um, I can't imagine Darvis's price sinking like Edwin's did to the point where the Indians actually go out and get another pitcher, but um, at the very least, when they get Santana back, that'll be nice. But if they don't, um, at BrownBags99, he wants to know, is losing Santana more acceptable if the Tribe builds up the outfield of somebody like Marcelo Zuna and moves Brantley to first? Um, just to make it a little more open-ended. So what Assuming the Indians don't get Santana, what else would they have to do for you to think it's a successful offseason? Um, I mean, Osuna would be a great pickup. I don't know how to gauge what it would take to get him. Uh, I mean, he's he was great this past season. Um, so I would tend to think he'd be, you know, pretty pricey. Although the Marlins are also pretty interested in giving players away for basically nothing just because Derek Jeter and the rest of the ownership group are trying to slash payroll as low as possible and are completely inept about how to do that. Um, and I'm really enjoying seeing Derek Jeter exposed as being incredibly inept at something. And did you see that he was like in a, um, I think it was at the Dolphins game, the yeah, day they signed Stanton, or the day they yeah. traded away Stanton? That's great. That's doing yeah, things the right way, apparently. I'm really looking forward to people slowly realizing that, like, oh, maybe just because he was good at shortstop and didn't say much doesn't mean he was actually some sort of great, brilliant guy. Was he good uh, at shortstop? So I, I feel like, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I, if they get Ozuna, it's probably going to be a great offseason. I would think the cost in prospects would be pretty prohibitive. Um, you know, some of the other names out there that I've seen, uh, you know, have been talked about that the Indians have been linked to, at least in, like, discussions. Logan Morrison and Matt Adams. Uh, you know, Logan Morrison was great this year, uh, but Logan Morrison was not great in 2016 and was not great in 2015 and was not great at any point before this season. And even, I mean, great's overstating. He was very good this year. Um, I'd be a little leery of, of giving a guy with one good season uh, a big contract, especially since a lot of the predictions I've seen only have him costing like $3 million, $4 million a season less than Santana. I would sure hope the Indians would be willing to go an extra year and an extra three or four million a year to keep Santana instead of Morrison. So, I mean, I wouldn't feel bad about Morrison, but I think I'd be pretty disappointed if they end up with Morrison because they probably could have had Santana for not much more. Yeah, I've heard he's their, um, I think it was Ken Rosenthal said he's their main backup plan basically is Logan Morrison. And and with his success last year, his, as far as I know, is all driven by the whole swinging up in the air, the balls might be juice, whatever, the home run runs or home run um, hitting. So if that's a real thing, if that continues, maybe that's just the new Logan Morris. And I think if you sign him, you're you're basically gambling on that, that it wasn't just a one-year thing. If, if baseball does, or if um, Major League Baseball does something to the balls again, that makes it harder to hit home runs and Logan Morrison strikes out again or um, struggles again then you're kind of out of luck there. But if it was a real thing and he can really hit that many home runs now, you're probably going to get a really good deal because other teams are going to be thinking like you did. They just said it's a one-year bump. He's probably not that good. But if you gamble and it pays off, you might get basically another Carlos Santana next year. I think, wasn't Morrison better than Santana last year? Was it close? Uh, I, feel like I it mean, was really close. It was pretty close. I mean, but Santana's a better fielder. Santana's yeah. a better base runner. Uh, just in terms of hitting... Uh, yeah, I think you're right that Morrison probably had slightly better numbers this year. Uh, yeah, he had a ton of, he had 38 home runs compared to like his previous high was in 2011, he had 23. So it was all the home runs for Morrison, which he doesn't draw as yeah. many walks as Santana. Well, but Morrison was a better hitter last year. Uh, you know, Santana's a better defender. Santana's a better base runner. Uh, on the whole, probably pretty equal overall last year in terms of value, maybe a little edge for Morrison. But I would much rather have the guy who is the better player in four of the fa last five years than the guy who is a touch better in one of those years, even if it was the most recent. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess to me, Morrison, I'd feel happy about if Santana got a pretty big contract and then before Morrison signed, the market just sort of caved for players like that and the contract difference between them was pretty significant, uh, then I'd feel good about him. Uh, but if their contracts are as close as I've seen a lot of people predict they would be, uh, I'd be pretty bummed. Yeah, and as far as getting any kind of successful offseason without Santana, it's it's hard. <laughs> You're going to have to get something big like Ozuna or even Christian Yelich is another one on the Marlins. And I think most teams, when they're trading away players, they'd see more value in Yelich who signed through like 2022 with an option. But for the Marlins, it's Ozuna only two years and he's doesn't cost anything, so that's the one they want to hold on to the most. So I think if, any, if the Indians get anybody on a discount, it'd be like Christian Yelich if they want to give up the prospects and pay all that money, but otherwise they can give up a little more and get Ozuna. As far as answering the question, I think I'd be happy with either Ozuna or Yelich. I would make, if the Indians don't get Santana and they get one of those two, I'm pretty okay with that trade-off. I guess depending on who they trade away, 
Um, and the moving to Brantley thing, the moving Brantley to first thing was another, uh, at the end of Brown Bag's question. The Indians so far are not going to do that. That's that's purely a fan thing that we'll just move Brantley to first. That's how it works. But they paid him $11 million. I don't think they're going to move him to first base, um, even with all his injuries, even with everything. I think pretty much he's going to find a place in left field, maybe DH once in a while. But I don't know. I, I wish they didn't pick up that option, but they did, and they still have him, and he's going to probably be in the outfield. I can't imagine them picking that up just to play him at first base, a position he's never played. Um, as we saw with like Santana and even Edwin playing it now, it's not really just as easy as saying you play first base, you catch the ball. So, um, I, I believe the Indians actually said they're not moving Brantley to first. I could be making that up in my head, but I know as far as like, they've never said officially they're going to do it. It has always been just a fan theory because he's never been a great outfielder and they just want to slap him at first. But so far that's not happening. Um, I think if they don't sign Santana and they don't, um, get somebody, it's just going to be a lot of Edwin at first. I, I would like to see Logan Morrison as the backup. Uh, Merritt Rolfing had a post on it a few days ago that, like you said, it's not that big. It wasn't that big of a drop off last year from Santana. It just depends on what he's going to do going forward. So that's definitely not enough to make up for it. And especially Matt Adams, that's that's a huge drop from Santana. But Logan Morrison is is at least relatively close. Yeah, I, I, I like I, the the Marlins guys. I'd be happy to get either of them. I just don't think it's at all realistic. I just can't imagine the Indians doing that so to me whether Santana's back or not uh and you know whether they bring in someone like Matt Adams on a much smaller contract uh I think the helpful thing to keep in mind is uh the Indians were fantastic last season and you know there's no one player they could lose even you know even if it were Kluber that they were losing they would still be heavy favorites to win the American League Central uh so I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the Yankees went out and got Stanton and, you know, the Red Sox are going to do something and the Astros are going to do something and the Indians are just letting everyone pass them by. And, like, I, I don't know how you could be an Indians fan for the last 10, 20, 30 years and feel like the Indians right now, like, oh, they just don't do anything. They're not making an effort to win. They're not going out. Like, they just signed Encarnacion last season. They have a fantastic roster. Like, it, it just baffles me that people, no matter what the situation is, can always find some reason to complain about the Indians. And meanwhile, they'll go out and watch the Browns go 1-15 six seasons in a row because this is going to be year, the year they, they're putting it together. Oh, it's always the year, definitely. The Indians are going to be the best team in the American League Central next year, and oh, yeah, yeah it would if they could add Stanton for basically nothing. Uh, they they didn't. They're not going to add someone like him. Uh, you know, the the Yankees are probably going to be a better team than the Indians next year, which means if they face each other in the postseason, the most likely outcome will be that the Indians lose to the Yankees. Uh, but in 2016, the most likely outcome was that the Indians would lose to the Red Sox, and they didn't. Like, it, it's not that it doesn't matter that the Yankees got better; it does. Um, but making the playoffs is the biggest task in winning the World Series, and the Indians, whether they have whoever's at first base or DH next year, uh, are going to be in fantastic shape to win the Central. Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, there's not even going to be the Twins might sneak up again, but it's not even going to be close because the Tigers are rebuilding. The Royals are apparently trying to sign Eric Hosmer, but they're rebuilding. This probably isn't the White Sox year quite yet, so 
just yeah, just get in the playoffs. At the very least, wait until midseason, I guess, and see what you really need at that point. I don't think there's any reason to rush out and do a huge trade now. Although, like you said, either of the Marlins guys, I am very happy with. Um, are you are you good with losing either Bradley Zimmer or Greg Allen to get one of those? If it came to that, there would be more, of course, than something with money. But if the trades involved, yeah. oh, either the two absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, I, I yeah, I still just don't think it's going to happen. I don't like you said it would take more. And I just feel like whatever it would take, um, you know, because I, I joked about Jeter. Well, I mean, I do think Jeter's incompetent at this so far. He horribly mishandled the Stanton situation. But they're not desperate to get rid of anyone else because no one else is getting paid a huge amount of money. Um, you know, so they are going to have a more normal for a Major League Baseball team expectation for what they get back for those guys. Um, so... Uh, I think I'd probably mostly be comfortable with what it would take to get them because I think the Indians should really be pushing hard the next two years. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. So a few, well, our last podcast now, like a month ago, um, we joked about Jose Ramirez's agent was saying that the, in a roundabout way, he was saying he wanted the Indians to trade Jason Kipnis. And now coming up at the winter meetings, it looks like, it's not like on the verge of happening, but the Indians are at least listening, and the Mets of all teams are interested. But um, it's the, the real problem for Kipnis is there's just no place to put him because Jose Ramirez is great at second base. The outfield is pretty much full of players who can at least field as good or better than Jason Kipnis, and he's just kind of left floating and maybe playing second, maybe putting Jose back at third. Um, what do you think of the Jason Kipnis trade rumors, and why the hell the Mets? And would they ever trade him to the Mets? Is there anything the Mets could have the Indians could want? Um, I mean, I don't, the Mets are such a mess. I don't, I don't really understand what the Mets plan is right now. I I mean, I suppose they're close enough to, you know, having reached the world series to still feel like they can be going for it now. Um, but it sure doesn't seem like they should be going for it now. I I mean, in terms of what the Indians would want back, um, I think I'm higher on Kipnis in 2018 than a lot of people are. Um, but I think it's valid to point out that, you know, he's going to be owed a pretty significant amount of money the next couple of years. Um, I think if they don't pick up his option, they're going to end up paying him a little over $30 million for the next two seasons. So, I mean, I think there's, you know, some argument that you're not looking to get that much back for him. Uh, you're looking to free up that $15 million a year. Um I, just like the last time we talked five or six weeks ago, would still rather have Kipnis at second base and Ramirez at third base because I'm not in love with the other third baseman. Um, but, you know, if you told me they trade Kipnis and don't get much back, but they use the money they save to keep Santana, like, I'd rather have Santana than Kipnis. Um, I don't think they should be giving Kipnis away just to get rid of the contract. Um but they're not going to get like a marquee prospect for him or anything like that. Yeah, it's another weird position because you don't like they don't have. It's not a great third base. Like it's probably still better to have him at second, Jose at third. So whatever they trade for, it's just going to have to flat out be better than Jason Kipnis, which you're probably not going to get. So it's a really weird. I don't think the Mets, especially, have anybody. But I don't think anybody has. There's just no real trade that works. He's either going to be at second with Jose Ramirez at third. Maybe he just won't play every single game. I don't know. But he might be in the outfield a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be traded. I, I would be okay with it. I don't hate Jason Kipnis or anything, but I do think it, 
the Indians could still work without him if they could if they could find a trade that would work. There's just no real position they need that they could get with what you can trade for Jason Kipnis. I don't think there's any. I'm trying to think of a position like right field. I guess now is pretty void, but it's mostly about freeing up money to spend on someone who you felt like better filled a need. Like if you really think the other third base options mean San, or mean that Ramirez should be at second base, and if you think Brantley will be mostly healthy once he's back, uh, then you are sort of saying you don't think there's a great spot for Kipnis, in which case paying a guy $15 million to not really have a spot on the team makes no sense at all. Move him and keep Santana, who has a spot on the team. Um, you know, for me, because I think that the best lineup involves him at second base, I'm not as eager to get rid of him just to free up the money. But again, if it comes down to Kipnis or Santana, I'd rather spend $15 million on Santana than on Kipnis. And if it's to the point where they're they're making those kind of moves to free up money, I would have rather, I think, not picked up Brantley's option. Oh, no, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Like, I, And I know Santana's going to be significantly more expensive than Brantley, especially because it's going to take more than a one-year commitment. But yeah, like if, if ultimately they let Santana go because they were five, six million dollars short in the payroll, I'll be annoyed that they, you know, chose Brantley over Santana. Like, yeah, I, you know, I know they're very different situations, but on some level, there's only so much money to go around. Um, you know, they made a small commitment to Brantley. Um, Santana would require a bigger commitment, but if, if all the juggling means they ultimately chose Brantley in keeping Kipnis over Santana. I would disagree with their decision-making. There would be an angry worded letter to written dear Indians headquarters. <laughs> um, so here's an interesting one uh, at ACT dad on Twitter. He asked, what are the chances of the Indians bringing in Ichiro? He would be a great bench player role guy. That's out of nowhere. Um, I guess it would be terrible, but you said you had something on this that was... Um... Well, so, I mean, I, I love Ichiro. Uh, I can't imagine giving him much of a contract. Uh, but I'd be happy to have Ichiro as, like, the last guy on the roster. Uh, it seems very unlikely to me because, uh, well, it's been 10 years, and, and a man can, can change his views of a city in that time. Uh, oh, now I know what you're going for. But, <laughs> yeah, this. ten years ago, I think like the Mariners <laughs> and the Indians had like a, a rain out or maybe even a snow out or something from early in the season. So there's a makeup game, and uh, someone was asking Ichiro about going back, and he said something like, "You know, I'm not excited to be going to Cleveland, but it's something we have to do." You know, but listen, if I ever hear myself saying I'm excited to go to Cleveland, I'd have to punch myself in the face <laughs> because I'd be lying. Yeah, I remember that now. I think Merritt drafted that in our draft of Indians thing when I think about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't think Ezra's coming here. <laughs> Maybe it would be change, but... like if, if he did sign with him, and then like at the press conference, if he like you know playfully punched himself in the face and everyone had a good laugh, uh, I would have a good laugh. I'm sure there's a huge segment of Cleveland people who would be like, "No, we hate you forever because of what you said ten years ago." Um, but I'd be happy to have him. Oh, of course, yeah. I don't see Ezra as the guy punching himself in the face for laughs at a press conference, but maybe. <laughs> Um, Mark Shuffleton on Facebook, he asks, is Miller con is this Miller's contract year or does he have an option after this year? Any chance of being re-signed early? The first part's an easy question. No, this is it. Um, they traded for two and a half years of them and this is, this will be the last of the year coming up. So nope, no option for this year's unrestricted free agent. 
Um, Jason, you think it's extended early? No, I'd be stunned. Um, I mean, one, we already talked about the Indians aren't the team that's going to give a relief pitcher the kind of deal Andrew Miller is going to get. Uh, and I don't know why. I mean, not that, I'm sure he enjoys playing for the Indians and all that, but I can't. I don't know why he would give them some huge discount or anything. Like, obviously, if you're a pitcher, there's always some risk you get hurt, and you know, so the guaranteed money is something. But Andrew Miller's already got set for life money, um, and even if he got hurt, there'd be teams lining up to sign him when he came back. Um, I'd be shocked if they extended Andrew Miller. I, th I think 2018 is, is it for the Indians and Andrew Miller, unfortunately. Yeah, and he's going into the, he'll be 33 coming up soon. I just can't see, because he's not going to want like a one-year deal, so I can't see the Indians paying yeah. him a bunch of money for several years. Um, and I've never really noticed until just looking at his stats, like his last two years are by any measure his best by far. <laughs> he's always been a really good reliever, but even the last couple of years, it's not even that close. <laughs> he's never had a sub two ERA before. His FIP was a little high this year, but I, it's crazy how good he has been in Cleveland. If you ever have a chance, just go look at his numbers and just stare at him for a little bit and drool because <laughs> even with his injury season, this was still one of his best years this year. Yeah. Like I said, he, I mean, he's the best relief pitcher in baseball right now, I think. Um, you know, maybe Jansen, uh, you know, one and one, a, the Indians just, it's been fantastic to have him for a year and a half. It'll be fantastic to have him for another year. It's a luxury. The Indians have, have rarely had a relief pitcher that good. Um, we should enjoy it next season. Cause that's going to be it. So what we'll wrap up with here, um, if I ever find myself enjoying, heated hall of fame discussion topics i'm gonna to punch myself in the face but <laughs> alan trammell and jack morris they both got in by the modern era committee um well, we have something else that we'll talk about hall of fame in a minute but first what about those two do you think um uh, i think I trammell's mean, I, one everybody wanted but morris was kind of on the fence yeah i mean i think everyone who's listened to the podcast much or read much of what i've written uh knows that Alan Trammell is someone who I absolutely think deserved to be in the Hall of Fame and should have been in already uh, and has been really underrated. And Jack Morris is someone who should not have been in the Hall of Fame. Um, anyone who's been on, you know, baseball internet in the last 10 years has, has been around for plenty of Jack Morris arguments already. I can't really say I have anything new to add to them. Um, if Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame, there's like 15 other pitchers from the last 40 years who aren't in the Hall of Fame who should be in. Uh, you know, Kevin Brown should be in, uh, Dave Cohn should be in, Brett Saberhagen should be in, Oral Hershiser should be in, uh, Rick Russell should be in, um, you know, to say nothing of guys like Mike Mussina and Kurt Schilling and Roger Clemens who are still on the ballot and should be in, um, all of those guys were better pitchers than Jack Morris. And, uh, that said, I don't particularly care that he's in the Hall of Fame. To me, someone who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame getting into the Hall of Fame is less bothersome, bothersome than someone who should be in the Hall of Fame not being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so one guy who I think was really deserving and finally got it, to me, is worth more good than Jack Morris getting in does bad. So on the whole, uh, I think the two of them are a net positive. Um, Jack Morris is not a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, Jack Morris seems like he was probably a pretty big asshole. Uh, 
so I can't say I'm celebrating his entry, but I'm happy for Alan Trammell. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, I, I think the Veterans Committee hadn't elected a living player for like 15 or 16 years. Hopefully in the years to come, uh, there'll be some more guys from my lifetime who I think should be in there who do get in there. Um, and, you know, Jack Morris, whatever. <laughs> Is, was there just like some turnaround? Are people just fatigued about arguing about it? Because I swear it's like several years ago it was cities would burn if Jack Morris was in the Hall yeah, of Fame. No, I think you're right. I think it is just fatigue. Like any, like I said, anyone who's been a part of like internet baseball communities in the last 10 plus years has already had them. Like I, someone, you know, there's a Let's Go Tribe reader, uh, you know, who, who responded to something to, to me on Twitter about it. And it's like, it's like, dude, I like, think what you want to think. I'm not getting into this with you. <laughs> like you might be young enough that this is your first Jack Morris rodeo. Uh, I've been around the block many a time on this. I'm positive there's nothing you're going to say that's making me go, oh, you know what? You're right. I hadn't considered that before. See, that's the thing I hate the most about like Hall of Fame debate. It's You're arguing with people about their childhood memories most of the time. Like, If somebody really feels that Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer, they watched him as a kid, you are not going to change their mind. There's no way you're going to you're gonna say, well, well I think high test stats, whatever. They're going to say he's definitely a Hall of Famer, yeah. I think there's like, like you know, there's like a middle band, like the porridge that's just right. There are guys who are like legitimately a reasonable argument either way. And there are people you can argue with who, you know, are going to come at it in a, in something more than, you know, oh, my eyes tell me, um, you know, that you can have, like, I've had really interesting discussions with people about Gary Sheffield, um, Edgar Martinez, uh, and some other players, but like Jack Morris just isn't even close. To, like, he's not part of that band of guys I feel like you can have a legitimate argument. There's just no logical way to look at all of the numbers and feel like, yeah, this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and another guy like that, to me, is Omar Vizquel, who, since we're talking on Facebook right now, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to start getting hate mail again because that's legitimately <laughs> what happened after I wrote my post <laughs> about Tribe. Um, people emailing me to tell me what a horrible person I am. Um, Omar was a really – he was a great – great defensive shortstop he was a very mediocre hitter who happened to get a lot of hits because he played forever and because for a long time despite being in one of the best lineups in baseball history where he should have been batting eighth or ninth uh you know he bat second hit second a lot and got a ton of at bats we got a ton of hits um he's he's not as good as a hall of fame shortstop should be and people all anyone has to say is the gold gloves fielding percentage, the career hits, and what about Ozzie Smith? Uh, and all four of those, the only arguments anyone has, other than, oh, my eyes tell me, they're all weak, weak arguments. And you can spend like an hour researching and looking into stuff and presenting very clearly all of the reasons he shouldn't. And someone's just like, nah, you must not have watched him play. Like That's, your, that's the entirety of your response to everything I've just laid out for you is, nah, you must not have watched him play. Like, you're not... This isn't a real argument. You're not coming to this in like in any intellectually honest sort of way. It's not worth arguing with you. So call me a moron. Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me you're not going to read Let's Go Tribe anymore. I don't care. Like you're you're not worth the time of trying to convince because you're unconvincible. Yeah, that's that's the heart of Hall of Fame debates. I think. Uh, is there any place for I guess just to sort of play devil's advocate of like the like the Jack Morris and Omar Vizquel where they were just. I don't even know if they're that huge in the game, but I'm trying to think of some way we can make it work. 
Is there any place in the Hall of Fame for like people that pass the eye test? They just feel like they were big time Hall of Fame, like big parts of the game, even though they didn't get the stats. They were the scrappy players or whatever. Like, there, there's no room I mean, for that, is there? I'm sure there's some. I mean, the Hall of Fame is a baseball museum. It's not just the plaques of guys who are members of the Hall of Fame. Like, I'm sure there's somewhere in the Hall of Fame where you can see some stuff from Game 7 of the 1991 World Series, which is like 80% of Jack Morris's Hall of Fame case, apparently, is winning that game. So he is in the Hall of Fame. And I'm sure there's some place where you can, like, see clips of some of the greatest defensive shortstops making fantastic plays. So you can see Omar Vizquel in the Hall of Fame. But that doesn't mean either of them should have a plaque where, you know, Willie Mays and, and Ozzie Smith and, you know, Walter Johnson have plaques. They, they, they weren't that caliber of player. And neither of them is the worst guy in the Hall of Fame. And people point that out, too. But that's such, like, a lame argument. Like, you're right. He's not the absolute worst player in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't mean he should be in there. It means there are guys who shouldn't be in there but are. It doesn't mean we have to elect every guy better than the worst player, or we're going to have to elect like 500 baseball players who aren't in the Hall of Fame because they were all better than Rabbit Marinville. Yeah, the, the lines in the sand for all the Hall of Fame stuff is always really weird to me. There was the Bud Selig thing, like he's in all the steroid users should get in. It's like the biggest straw man's ever, I think. Um, and as far as the Hall of Fame, if you can like do a respectful way of like saying these were the players that weren't Hall of Famers, but like historic players maybe not everybody knew about but they're a big part of the game that i think that'd be kind of neat like its own but that stuff already exists yeah it does is in like the indians hall of fame like indians fans which are really the only fan base that should care that much about him like there's no danger that indians fans aren't going to know about omar viscal or have opportunities to appreciate him and you know twins fans can be happy that jack morris won game seven and tigers fans can be happy that he helped them win a world series but like the, I don't. I mean, the Baseball Hall of Fame can't be about celebrating every guy who ever did something worth celebrating because, like, it it devalues the entire thing if you if that's the bar you have to clear. Like, Mark Fidrich was a lot of fun when he you know took the league by storm in 1976 or whatever. So it doesn't mean he should be in the Hall of Fame for it. Yeah. Tigers fans should know who he is and should have fun, you know, especially if they were alive for it, like remembering that time. But it's not the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, maybe just. Fans should just, I'm not saying it rude way, but maybe they should have more focus on their team Hall of Fame. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Put more more emphasis on the fact that you have your own Hall of Fame for players like that. I think that's a good idea. Um, that's pretty much our show, Jason. Unfortunately, we didn't have anything happen during the show. We can break out some cool breaking news music. Um, I don't think a single thing happened. It is like 10 o'clock at night, but I thought somebody somewhere would make a trade or something. But that's all we got. Um, I, I think I know what you've got coming up soon, which is Star Wars. I know you're not excited at all for that, so. And at this point, I mean, I was on for a couple of things today, uh, but at this point, I am internet dark until I've seen Star Wars. It's it's too close. There could be reviews. There could be some yokel who was at the premiere. I can't risk someone giving something away. I haven't even watched any of the previews for it because I want to go in cold, knowing as little as possible. Yeah, I feel bad for anybody... Um... Like, you can't even mention that I'm avoiding Star Wars because immediately someone will tell it. I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this point. I would just ignore everything from now until you see it. <laughs> That's why even if, especially when I'm watching a show, like, I won't even mention the show on Twitter because I don't want it spoiled. It only takes one person to just ruin everything, so. Well, and everyone thinks they know how to, I mean, and granted, like, I'm not worried that, I'm not that worried that someone who's actually seen it is going to say something to me personally, but I don't even want to know what kind of reviews it's getting or anything. 
Um, but everyone, like for a movie that's already out, everyone has their own sense of like what does and doesn't count as a spoiler. And so someone's like, oh man, the twist ending was crazy. And you're like, don't say that. And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not giving it away. It's like, but I didn't even know there was a twist ending. And now I'm watching the whole movie being like, I didn't know there's going to be a twist ending. What's it going to be? Like my sense of what spoils something and your sense of what spoils something might not be the same. So I don't want anyone talking to me about stuff at all. <laughs> Maybe next week. I, I hope I see it by them. I'm not completely sure. Either next week or the week after we should do another little review thing after the show. It got rave reviews last time on Facebook. I think somebody yelled at us immediately when we were talking about Star Wars, but It'll be fun. <laughs> so, Jason, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Everyone else, see you around. Bye.